On the Virtual Bible Study tonight, we're going to talk about some interpreting. What's this about? Well, every once in a while when we're talking to people, in fact, it seems like it's more common these days, to try to make a point from the Scriptures and someone says, well, that's just your interpretation. And so we just thought we would deal with that accusation or claim that that we're just teaching our own personal interpretation when it comes to what we think the Bible says. Is that a, is that an accurate assessment? Uh how do we deal with that? That's just your interpretation. Yeah. We'll talk about it on the Virtual Bible Study starting now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And this is the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, December 14th, 2017. Uh, Welcome to the program. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. Good to be with you as well. And Monty Overton is behind the controls tonight. It's been a long time, Monty. It's been a little while. And I have to be, to be honest, I'm, uh, I'm a little bit nervous. Well, you should be. Okay. Well, hopefully you remember what you're doing back there. <laughs> um, and uh, we are glad that you're on the other end of the line tonight at 877-381-4567. You can join us there, questions at collegeview.com, and also in the chat room tonight. Still got some bumper stickers. We've got bumper stickers we'd be glad to send you. We have something else. And we also have our... Daily Bible reading calendar for 2018, printed and ready to grow. We've already had requests for that. And and so uh, if you will send us your snail mail address, send us an email to questions at collegeview.com and, and indicate your U.S. postal address there. And we'll stick that in the mail to you. And actually, we will, uh, we're going to make a double offer. We'll send you a bumper sticker and a, a, a um, daily Bible reading calendar if you want it. All it takes is one little email. Yeah. Uh, send us an email. You want those calendars, and you'd like a bumper sticker as well. We know, so why don't you let us know that you're out there. Send us an email. Love to hear from you. Um, and also, we'll encourage you to send questions or comments about something you've heard or topic suggestions for the virtual Bible study, questions you'd like to have discussed in this format. Uh, we welcome those at any time, and we like to have the listener questions uh, for those uh, listener question programs that are, we do quite we're frequently. We're picking up some of those. And Good. It seems like we've been getting more lately, and that's great. And so keep sending in your questions, and uh, we'll try to deal with them in upcoming episodes of the Virtual Bible Study. All right. But when we talk about the questions like that that people have maybe have differing opinions on, uh, we get this common response, uh, well, that's just your interpretation. Uh, and uh, you wanted to talk about that tonight. I think it's a worthy yeah. topic. You know, when when you're trying to make a point from the scriptures, and someone doesn't agree, maybe it contradicts what they already believed, or it's just just simply not to their liking or, or approval. They will throw out a statement that's just your interpretation, and it's almost like they think they've thrown up a brick wall. Well, that's just your interpretation. That doesn't mean anything, and. and We've said so many times through the years that if it is just our opinion, our think-sos, our opinion is no better than anybody else's. But if it is what the Bible teaches and what we can logically conclude from the Scripture, what God wants us to do, then it's not just our interpretation. It is the will of God. And so I thought we need to deal with this attempt by some to sort of dismiss all biblical intercourse and discussion by just saying, that's your just your opinion. That's just that's just your interpretation is the way it's usually stated. Yeah. So what does that mean? Uh, and what uh, are the implications of that? You asked some questions earlier today for our discussion. Tonight. Yeah. To our update list earlier today, we sent out some questions as we always do. Uh, they come out uh, uh, around noon, a little earlier uh, each Thursday. We try to get these out so you know what we're talking about. If you're not on our update list, send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Here are the questions we sent out earlier today. Number one, comment on the logical inconsistency of a person who makes this claim. That's just your interpretation. Number two, comment on two extremes. One extreme is there are no legitimate interpretations of the Bible. 
And the second is any interpretation will do. One is as good as another. Okay. Number three, how would you argue that some interpretations are better or more plausible than others? Okay. Number four, review these basic methods of interpreting God's word so that we can know what he wants us to do. Direct command or statement, approved example, necessary inference. Okay. So that's where we're going to try to go with our study Straightforward, and uh, look forward to that discussion tonight. Look forward to hearing from you. The conversation is always better when you participate. Sign in the chat room if you're not already signed in and chat with other listeners on the program tonight. All right, so when the person says that's your interpretation, you're implying here by your question that you think it's somewhat of a logical inconsistency. When they say that's just your interpretation, then they're actually expressing an interpretation or an opinion. So, in other words, they're trying to, they're trying to shut us down typically by saying that's just your interpretation, but actually they themselves, I think, are expressing an interpretation when they do that. I, I, I think probably the very best way to hand, hand such a person the Bible and say, well, what's your interpretation? Let's talk about that. Uh, uh, and, and by doing that, we'll be showing our willingness and open-mindedness to, to hear what others have to say and to correct our view if it is wrong. No, in other words, don't just shut the conversation down. If you don't agree with this understanding of the Scripture, then... Tell me what your understanding of the scripture is, and let's go with that, and let's let's see, let's let's study that. Maybe maybe the way you understand the Bible is the correct way, and I mine is the wrong way, and I can change and I can. But don't just shut off the conversation with with a sort of off the cuff comment. That's just your interpretation. And and so it also implies then that they're they have an interpretation as well, and everyone has an interpretation of the scriptures. Yeah. Um, and so just by saying, well, you've got your interpretation, I have mine. It's not a constructive response to a, a religious it's, discussion. It's not constructive. And when you think about it, when you, in regards to matters of truth, it's not possible for you to have an interpretation and be right and me have a different interpretation and be right. The old, the old explanation that's been offered so many times through the years, if two people disagree with what the Bible teaches, one is right and the other is wrong, or the other is wrong and the, and the other is right, or both are wrong. You both you both can't be right. Either one is right and the other is wrong, or vice versa. Or bo- both can't be right. Right. Uh, and so uh, let's hear your interpretation. Let's hear your understanding. And, and we're really using the word interpretation to mean your understanding, yeah. what you think it means. Yeah. So you obviously have some understanding of it. You don't agree with, with mine. So let's hear yours. What is it? All right, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Monty, you ever been told that's just your interpretation? Uh, yeah, I've had people tell me that before. But like Greg said, we can't both be right. So if that's if that's if if they're saying that, then, okay, what do you have to say about it? And really when it gets down to it, we could probably just get out a dictionary and see what the definition of the words are because words have meanings and just see what the meaning of the words that we're trying to discuss are and go with what they mean. Well, and and I think that's right. We need to be open-minded. Let's let's get our Bibles out. Let's 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 do our very best to make sense of what the text says. Uh, don't be closed-minded. Don't shut off the discussion. Proverbs eighteen thirteen: He that answereth the matter before he heareth it, it is a folly and a shame unto him. And so that's basically telling us we need to be we need to be open-minded, ready to consider a matter. But unfortunately, I think what we're what people are using this expression for typically is to shut off conversation and yep. not be willing to hear. And that that implies one of two things. Either it implies that your interpretation is fine if you want to believe that way. I don't care, and, I, and I'll believe my way, and it's going to be all just right with God. It implies that when they just say, well, that's your interpretation, shut the door. Or it implies that you're all wet and I don't care to tell you where you're wrong. Yeah. It's one of those two things when yeah. you answer that way and shut down the discussion. Uh, and uh, and certainly neither one of those attitudes is acceptable. Just last week I had uh, uh, some Jehovah's Witnesses come to my door. They haven't been coming for a long time. I think they had kind of gotten discouraged because uh, uh, my wife and I always in, invite them in for Bible study uh, we tell them we'd like to talk about it. We'd like to explain what we believe from the Scripture. They don't want to hear what we believe. And so yep. they have actually canceled Bible studies with us in the past because they don't want to hear what we have to say. They just want to tell us what they have to say. But uh, just a couple weeks ago, uh, two men came to my door, and I told them, I, 
I know your positions. I've studied them. I, I disagree with them. Uh, I, I, I love the zeal that you have for what you do, but I think your doctrines are wrong, and I'd like to study with you. And they just politely said, no, thank you. And so even somebody who is considered to be as as religious and as devoted as Jehovah's Witnesses, they, they don't want to discuss differences. And really, if we differ over the Scriptures, at least one of us is wrong. Maybe both of us are wrong. And we should be willing to consider uh, what others have to say about it. Apollos in Acts chapter 18, I think, was really commendable. When he came to Ephesus, uh, it, he was confronted. This says in Acts 18, beginning verse 24, A certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the Scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the Spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. I just really think that that's impressive on his part. I mean, he he was a fellow who came from a, a center of high Jewish learning at Alexandria. He was an eloquent man. He was He was you know, on top of his game. And here's just Aquila and Priscilla, just a common man and his wife. Who do they think they are anyway to approach me, Apollos, and try to tell me that I don't know what I'm talking about? And that's just your interpretation, Aquila and Priscilla. But he was open-minded, willing to consider it. I I would be willing to say that we should simply rid our vocabulary of the phrase, that's just your interpretation. It serves no good purpose when it comes to Bible study. Uh, of course it's my interpretation. I wouldn't be teaching it if that's not the way I understood it. I could be wrong. Let's talk about it. If you think I'm wrong, let's talk about it. But don't just shut off the conversation by saying that's just your interpretation. Godly uh, individuals who are convinced of their understanding of the Scriptures contend for that and dispute others who would disagree in acts chapter 9 verse 29 he spoke boldly in the name of the lord jesus and disputed against the grecians but they went about to slay him paul is contending here and uh is trying to convince other people of where they are wrong he's disputing against the grecians in acts chapter 17 Verse 17, therefore uh, uh, disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons in the market uh, daily with them that met with him. Did Paul ever go around telling the Jews, well, that's just your interpretation? You don't believe in Christ? That's just your disputing with them. And anyone who's uh, convinced and convicted of their uh, beliefs has that obligation to dispute with others who would disagree. But it's very common in our modern age to just disengage. Uh, you know, you can talk about anything but politics and religion, we're told. But people don't even adhere to that. They talk about politics all the time, but they don't want to talk about religion. For some reason, the, uh, a certain element has succeeded in convincing people that it doesn't matter and that you're okay, I'm okay. Not only is it the example we learn of uh, first century Christians, how they uh, disputed and contended, uh, contended for their beliefs, it's actually our command in Jude verse 3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to you, write of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith, which was once delivered unto the saints. We're commanded, in fact, that we need to be contending for the faith, defending what we believe, and not just throwing up the stone wall. Well, that's just what you, that's your interpretation. But remember, when we engage in this discussion, whatever we believe, whatever we teach, has got to be based upon the clear evidence of Scripture. So let's talk about it. But understand that as we talk about it, you're going to be expected to have to come up with the verses, the passages, the biblical texts that are convincing that your position is correct. Would you say that many times it's a cop-out by those who throw this uh, phrase up? I do think it is. I, I, I don't, I can't, my beliefs, I can't show you where you're wrong, so I'm just going to come out and say, well, that's just your opinion, go away. Yeah. All right. I got a late email here from Randy in Michigan. Hey, Randy. Uh, and he says, uh, uh, Jesus said in John eight thirty two, you shall know the truth, the truth shall make you free. We can know the truth, he said. 
Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 10, I beseech you, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. So Randy concludes, we can speak the same thing, be perfectly joined together, be of the same mind, the same judgment. Paul would not have said it if it wasn't, uh, if it couldn't be done. He says, we've got to uh, respect the Bible as being the verbally and infallibly inspired word of God. All right. I'm glad to hear from Randy. I'm glad to hear his thoughts. And I'm also glad to know that he can still fill his fingers up there in Michigan tonight. He's using the keyboard. Frostbite hadn't sunk in yet, but uh, it may not be too far away. Uh, Real quickly, we got an email from Kent in Georgia. Uh, Real quickly, he says, The scriptures demonstrate the need to both know and understand divine authority. Matthew 21, 23 through 27. If the conclusions that I draw are just my personal interpretation, I could never ultimately know God's truth. The truth, singular there. It's not like you have an interpretation, I have mine. You can know the truth. Yeah. He didn't say, but Jesus didn't say, each of you will have your own interpretations or understandings and just go with it. He didn't say that. He said, you will know. You can know the truth. All right. And Jesus, uh, Matthew 21, verses 23 through 37, the familiar uh, uh, passage there where Jesus is questioned on by what authority he's doing these things. And there's an absolute there, an understanding of absolute truth, that there there must be an authority, that he must have authority for the things that he's doing. And the Jews understood that. They didn't question that or challenge that or say, well, Jesus, you have your opinion on it, we have ours. No, they were they all understood that you needed to have uh, this basis for your belief and for your practice. You. Let's get a break, and when we get back, we'll continue the discussion. Uh, looking at some, uh, you look at some extremes now in your questions. You ask us for... A couple of extremes to show the, I think, the fallacy of this idea that, well, that's just your interpretation. Yeah, one, one is that there are no legitimate interpretations, and the other is one interpretation is as good as another. Uh, uh, it doesn't matter. All right, we'll get your comments on the other side of the break. And, uh, well, they don't have any interpretations in the chat room tonight. No, nobody none. has anything to say in the Nothing, chat room. Join, the chat room. In, Join in. Let's we'll go. look forward to hearing from you during the break. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. Don't touch that mouse. The virtual Bible study will be back right after this. I'm Dan Quillen, a member of the College of Church of Christ, with some thoughts about making plans. Have you made any different plans for your spiritual life and for your service for God? We spend time prioritizing personal lives and setting goals in our careers, but do we think in those terms about the most important thing, our soul? Ask yourself these questions. What am I planning to do for God today? In the coming week, what good thoughts will I accomplish for Him? At this time next year, where do I want to be in my spiritual life? In five years from now, how will I have changed, improved, and grown in my work for God? Ten years from today, how will my family be? How will I have helped them grow spiritually? Twenty years down the road, how will I be doing? As I approach death, what will have been the most important things in my life? Where will I be in eternity? Here's some quotes worth pondering. It is the paradox of life that the way to miss pleasure is to seek it as your first priority. The very first condition of lasting happiness is that a life must be full of purpose, aiming at something higher and more noble. The charity that hastens to proclaim its own good deeds ceases to be charity and is only pride and ostentation. Man, wish I'd said that. Use your internet connection for something good. Listen to the virtual Bible study every week. Now, back to the program. And we're back on the program tonight as we talk about, well, the argument or the, uh, I guess, the counter that many people pose in the religious discussion today. Well, that's just your interpretation, uh, and no, we don't argue about it. Yeah. And uh, we need to talk about what... Uh, there's uh, what that implies and what the how we can show that that's not an acceptable answer okay now we ask what about the extreme that there are no legitimate interpretations of the scripture and um kent is right on target with his comments he he goes to second peter 1 verse 20 he says some people wrongly use this text knowing this first that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Now, some people want to catch that phrase of no, the scripture is not of any private interpretation. Uh, And so they said, well, there are no no proper interpretations of the Bible. And they use that verse to try and argue that. uh, I'm just going to go to Kent's comments here Mm -hmm. in his email. He's got it pinned down. He said some, some individuals appeal to Second Peter one twenty and falsely conclude 
that one should not interpret the scriptures. However, the context of this passage is not a prohibition of interpretation of the scriptures. The passage is discussion of the scriptures. Peter, by divine inspiration, states that the scriptures did not originate by following cunningly devised fables. The word of God did not come into being by private interpretation. The word of God came into being by holy men of God as they spoke, uh, who spoke as they were moved by or inspired by the Holy Spirit. Others falsely affirm that any interpretation is acceptable, such as a false, such as false based upon what Christ taught in John 8:32. The, the passage not only affirms the existence of truth, it also implies that truth is objective and can be known. Because truth does exist, that also necessitates that error exists. Because of the reality of such, that means that any interpretation is not as good as the true interpretation. Wow. I think Kent really nailed that down. Okay. So I, I would agree with him. When Jesus said in John eight thirty two, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. That tells us that there is a right way to understand the scriptures. It is, the scriptures are knowable. I can know the truth. Thy word is truth, John 17, verse 17. So I study the word. The truth is in there. I can know the truth. But as Kent properly points out, if there is truth, there's also error. And, the, and there, there's something that distinguishes them. And therefore, you can make bad interpretations. You can, you can understand the scriptures in error. Uh, and that would damn the soul. I must know, I, I can and must know the truth, which implies that I'm able to understand it, comprehend it, make sense of it. In Ephesians chapter 3, uh, Paul talked about the process of revelation that brought the truth to him. Uh, uh, revelation, excuse me, uh, Ephesians 3 verse 3, by revelation God made known unto me the mystery as I wrote a four in few words. Whereby, when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. So, the process was, the Holy Spirit reveals to Paul. Paul writes it down. I can read it and understand it. All right. Uh, And so, uh, certainly, uh, we have to understand that if there are no legitimate interpretations, then we're all in a world of hurt. If there are no legitimate interpretations, then these verses that say we can know the truth... Or like First Timothy 2, verse 4, God will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. These passages that say that we are to know and can know the truth are, are senseless if one interpretation is just as good as another or there are no real legitimate interpretations. Don't you think that that's a prevalent thought, though, in our world today that 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 we just can't understand the Bible? In, sure, in, in this sure. age of uh, so-called enlightenment, it's, it seems to be more prevalent that, well, you know, there's just no way that we could really understand what that, that book means. Yeah, that's very common. And it's thought. sad. Mohan in Chicago sent in an email. He said, if there are no legitimate interpretations, we would not have any idea what the plan of salvation is and what God's will is for our lives. However, God wants us to know this information, has revealed it in his word. I think that's right. If there are no legitimate interpretations, then I I can't make sense of the scriptures. I can't read. I can't understand. But the scriptures say I can understand. So that uh, yeah. I think Mohan's right. Uh, he goes on to say, if any interpretation is okay, we can come up with anything we are comfortable with in terms of how to be saved and how to live our lives. There you go. If it's just subjectively up to me, you know, I can make up I can make up my own plan, and we don't believe that. Yeah, and, and I like the way that he takes it to the extreme. You can, he can come up with anything comfortable in terms of how to be saved and how to live our lives anyway. But a lot of folks who would make these claims that, well, any interpretation is okay, well, they would, they'd stop that. They're not going to take it to this yeah. logical Okay, conclusion. so my, my interpretation of the Scripture is that to go to heaven, what I have to do is eat banana pudding every day. Am I okay with that? I mean, are you okay with that? that that's well, my there's some interpret- truth in every religion, so okay. I'll take that one. But if I believe that to go to heaven, I need to come and break into my house and uh, and take every, all your worldly possessions and kill you and your family, that's that's how I think I'm going to be saved. Oh well, that's too far. You can't have that interpretation. Yeah, I mean everybody's everybody's going to say at some point that is a wrong interpretation. And so if they they are making an interpretation when they say that that's a wrong interpretation, right? So there's a lot of inconsistency, and that's really just what we wanted to bear out in, the, in those first couple of observations uh, and the questions that we asked. Dwight's in the chat room tonight. Uh, is Dwight in Iowa? Or uh, I believe that's right. Iowa, okay. Um, lots of folks ke- ch- uh, checking in tonight from those uh, tundra, Arctic tundra regions. Uh, 
of Iowa, Chicago, Michigan, but the frostbites they've they've been avoiding it so far. First John seven or in John seventeen eleven, Dwight says, Jesus prayed for the disciples to be as He and God are. They are one. The Lord's disciples cannot be divided. Thank you for that, Dwight, and we agree. And how could we be one if we couldn't have the same interpretation? Uh, certainly, it would be impossible. And thank you for that, Dwight. And Randy's in Michigan in the chat room tonight. Randy agrees with Dwight's statement. Thank you both for your comments tonight. Okay, so just real quickly, and we'll wrap this up before we go to our mid-hour break, but if one interpretation is as good as another, then how would we make sense of statements like 1 John 4, verse 1? Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. If, if one interpretation is as good as another, Ooh. then those false prophets, they, what they're saying is just as good as what anybody else is saying. Yeah. Second Peter 2, verse 1, they were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. Notice. If, if one interpretation is good as another, then those false prophets and false teachers are okay with what they're saying. But this says they're going to bring destruction on themselves, and, and many will follow them to destruction. So we have the job of discerning. What those verses are telling us is actually we have the job of discerning what is right and wrong, what is correct and in error, uh, truth and error. And if it's just a matter of your interpretation the next guy's interpretation, my interpretation, whatever you want, we we couldn't we couldn't hold to those statements. Yeah, absolutely. How would you ever tell anyone that they're in error? How would you know that you shouldn't follow uh, these uh, lying spirits, Monty? You know, if one interpretation is good as another, then what the devil told Eve to deceive her in the Garden of Eden was just as good as what God told her. And so it was really, if one is as good as another, then it was wrong of God to punish him and kick him out of the garden because that interpretation was just as good as his. They interpreted that 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 fruit was good to eat. Well, the devil told him it was, and that was his understanding or his interpretation of it, and that's as good as what God said. There you go. Nobody could be said there in error. We we asked the question, uh, how would you uh, argue that some interpretations are better or more plausible than others? Well, you know, about every other thing in the world, we have we have strong opinions. Uh, you know, what what about a marriage partner? Ah, one's as good as another. No, I'm I'm pretty picky about you know this. Yeah, right. Uh, everybody should be very picky about their marriage partner. Uh, what about your investment of money? Uh, uh, what about the medicine, the doctor you go to, the medicine that you take? Oh, that uh, prescription. One's as good as another. Well, no, we don't. We don't believe that. Now it may be difficult to interpret those prescriptions from the looks of the handwriting, but we still expect that there is one absolute interpretation and only one abs- uh, interpretation yeah. that should be made uh, of that scribble. And so we have to. Uh, in, in other words, in every other realm, people think that there is what's right and wrong, and it's not just. Well, there are certainly in in life there are matters of in, of uh, personal opinion. And, uh, but when it comes to right and wrong, truth and error, life and death, uh, we're pretty picky, and we should be, and, and certainly we should have that same mindset toward religion. Ephesians 5, verse 17, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of God is. All right. Uh, so we're, uh, I guess, 6531, Monty agrees, says uh, he or she, we're just looking at the book of Genesis, and uh, agree with you on your uh, observation there. Um, and Randy in the chat room says references First Peter three fifteen. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you of the re- a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Why? Why should? Well, oh, me. That's my oh, phone that, ring. Is that it? I'm yeah. interpreting yeah. that. Yeah. that you yeah. should have put that on vibrate. But uh, yeah, why? If if you got to be ready, why? If if you can have your interpretation, I can have mine. I don't need to, sh- to share mine with you. Yeah. Why should I be ready? Yeah. Because it doesn't matter. 
Right. But uh, so I think I think we've kind of probably beat that, that horse dead horse dead. to death. But uh, it is such a common attitude, and we hear this expression so often uh, that we just sort of need to be ready to deal with that. And, and we're show not even that it's just ridiculous. We're not talking about interpretations right now. We're just talking about the fact that we can't have one interpret one common interpretation. Can we all agree on that? That we have to interpret the Bible alike. Money. Well, to the question, how would we? understand or argue that some interpretations are more plausible than others the bible is a book of information about god's will to us and we should be able to take that information and come up with some logical conclusions about what it says and so when we take the inference of that logical conclusion then that would be a more plausible interpretation than somebody that or some interpretation that made absolutely no sense and had no logic about it exactly Um, and finally real quick before we go to this break kent says the way the, right, the way we can show that one interpretation is better than another, more plausible, is by the authority of Christ, Colossians 3.17. If one can take the scriptures, properly study them, and draw a conclusion that is in harmony with the intent of the inspired writers, one therefore can know the truth of the passages or, pas- of the passages or passage. In more difficult passages, we can determine truth by determining if an interpretation does, uh, does or does not contradict other known truths. In a specific interpretation of a, if a if a specific interpretation of a passage contradicts a known truth or truth that we can know that is not of God, Galatians 1, 6 through 9. So, in other words, the, the scriptures have to harmonize. Mm-hmm. And so, if I've got an interpretation of one passage that forces a contradiction with another passage, I can know that that is not from God. Right. If an interpretation regarding divorce and remarriage, for instance, contradicts what Jesus taught in Matthew five thirty two and Matthew nineteen nine. We, we can know that that's a false interpretation. All right. So, uh, again, we, I think Kent is basically saying we've got to take the whole of the Bible. We've got to take, we've got to take every piece of information that we can, and it all has to fit together and harmonize. We need to have more people who are committed to the fact that there are absolutes and absolute interpretations that we must adhere to. And uh, certainly uh, that is lacking in the religious world today. We'll get your thoughts as we get this week's bullet point. And we'll come back and continue the discussion. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. When Paul preached his famous sermon on Mars Hill in Athens, his teaching received three distinct reactions. Notice, quote, And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, Others said, We will hear thee again of this matter. So Paul departed from among them, howbeit certain men clave unto him and believed. That's Acts 17, verses 32 through 34. Do you see it? Some rejected the teaching immediately. Others procrastinated and withheld judgment and did nothing. But some enthusiastically accepted the truth and acted upon it. The same three reactions are in evidence to this day, even among members of the Lord's church. Consider this scenario. The preacher preaches a hard sermon that exposes sin and worldliness. It's one of those sermons that steps on toes and hits close to home. Some Christians will grow angry. The things taught suggest the need to change, and they're not willing to do so. They are happy to hear preaching on things they already agree about, but if a lesson contradicts their existing views or practices, they get mad. They are like those in Athens who mocked. Other brethren hear the same sermon, and while it plainly shows that there are things they need to change in their life, they postpone any action. These are the ones who commend the preacher as they go out the door saying, I really needed that, or you really stomped on my toes today, and yet they do nothing. They continue in their former ways. In effect, they are saying, we will hear thee again of this matter. Thank God that there are those who are tender-hearted, those who are always looking to bring their life into closer harmony with the will of God. These are the folks who, upon hearing the truth, respond by putting it into practice in their lives. If it means changing from what they previously believed, they will do so. Their commitment is to the Lord. Serving Him is their first priority. May their tribe increase. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hello, I'm Nick Law from Jennings, Florida. I love to listen to the virtual Bible study and hear God's Word talk every Thursday night. Quit checking your email. The commercials are over and the virtual Bible study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. But you can't finish up your emails if you're sending those to questions at collegeview.com. Please carry on, and uh, we look forward to hearing from you there. Uh, we want to remind you this program is brought to you by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Send us an email to questions at collegeview.com for any questions you might have about what we believe, what we practice, 
and send an email with questions uh, about uh, things you'd like to have answered here on the program, topics you'd like to have discussed. Send an email for those free Bible reading calendars or uh, bumper stickers to advertise the program or both. And we look forward to hearing from you on the program. Talking about the claim that, well, that's just your interpretation, the, the phrase that many use to shut down religious discussions, what that implies and uh, why that is not acceptable. Uh, you know, we live in a world where a lot of people believe, well, there's just no real absolutes. And we, just, we, we, we just can't really figure out what the truth is. I got a question for you, gentlemen. I don't know your thoughts on it. Do you think that that, that idea, that concept, that, well, there's really no absolutes, that it's all sort of ambiguous, is that rooted in people's pride, do you think? Do you think that's... Um, correlates with the pride of well of our society today and societies of past time i suppose so because it's sort of a, an unwilling unwillingness to submit to any higher authority i think it is i think about romans chapter 1 uh verse uh 20 for since the creation of the world his invisible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made even so that his eternal his eternal power and godhead so that they are without excuse because when they knew god they did not glorify him as god nor were they thankful became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. And it goes on and talks about the various things that they changed. I, I, I sense this idea, this this pervasive thought in our society today, well, there's really no absolutes, because my, my, my mind is broader than an absolute. I can... I can see it from different angles. I, I can understand. I, I understand that there's there's no real absolutes because my mind is I'm I'm, I'm enlightened. I'm more enlightened, yeah. And I think it may have gone along with what they were thinking in First Corinthians chapter five, where they had that sexual immorality. Notice they weren't standing on the absolutes of God's word. What were they do? They were puffed up, and have not rather mourned that He had done this deed and taken away from you. Um, they were. There was some pride going along with that idea that, that well, we don't have to stand on these absolutes. We're we're better than that. There's there's some kind of by throwing out the absolutes, it was connected with an idea of pride. And I just wonder if that's not why we're seeing this attitude so commonly in our society. Yeah, I, I think you're probably onto something there. I think you're right. All right, okay. Um, so let's talk just just the, the last part of this questions that I sent out today. Just review the, the very basic methods of interpreting God's word so that we can know what he wants us to do. And I offered the three general areas that we always talk about, direct commands or statements, approved examples, and necessary inference or inescapable conclusions. Now, I had an email uh, from somebody who criticized that breakdown. You know, sometimes even uh, you, you hear, you see the initials C-E-I, command, example, inference. Right. That's that's what you guys believe. That's, that's, sort of a, that's Church of Christ doctrine. That's your way of that. That's just your code language, uh, and and that's not biblical. Show me in the Bible where it's biblical. Yeah. Well, to this person who wrote me, I said, command, example, inference. These are just labels that have been used to explain the process of logic that we all use to read God's inspired word and understand how to make application in our own lives. Everybody uses some method of, to understand the Bible. We've used these terms to help identify the logical approach to the scriptures that are appropriate. Call it anything you want, but what other process is there? Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, how else would you uh, tell me a different approach? I, I don't think that there is one. Monty, you got another idea? Well, he said, show me where you would find that in the scriptures. If we look in Acts chapter 15, that's exactly the process they used to determine the answer that they had over some false teaching that had taken place. They used commands of God. They used approved apostolic examples. And they used necessary conclusions from things that had gone on there and the things they discussed. That's how the apostles and people... Some sound Christians of the first century determined how we determine what we're supposed to do. So how do, that's not something we come up with. That was written down nearly 2,000 years uh, yeah. ago. An equivalent might be money. Well, it doesn't say command, example, inference uh, in, in Acts 15. But as you properly point out, and we're just saying those are labels that we've, we've put out there just to help us discuss the, the, the thing. But the process, the logical process is there. We and could it, use whatever yeah. word fits. Yeah. 
But it's that's a just process. the command that example and inference fits as de- words that define and fit what they did. Yeah, and we're not. We're not. I mean, you call it call it something else. You, uh, if you instead of command, if you want to call it direct instruction, okay. direct instruction, I go with that. Yeah. I don't have you know. I don't have to say direct commands. Uh, if you want to say uh, approved illustrations instead of approved, I can go with that. That's okay. If you want to say instead of necessary inference, say logical in, conclusion, logical or inescapable conclusion. You, you can label it anything you want, but it's a, it's the thought process, the logical thought process that we use to to read the text and figure out from that how to apply it to ourselves. Guest eighteen sixty six in the chat room says all three of the basic methods of interpretation you you use require the judgment of man at some level, especially necessary inference. What scripture or scriptures give man the authority to use human wisdom? When interpreting God's word, so 1866 would say there's a problem when you say you have to have a direct command because that would require judgment at some level, or there's a problem when you say there's a, you have to you have an approved example because that would require judgment at some level, and especially this necessary inference because that would require judgment. How do you right. answer that? Uh, uh, well, I know I, I would probably quibble with the label human wisdom because typically human wisdom is contrasted to godly wisdom. Yeah. We're trying to discern godly wisdom, God's yeah. wisdom. Yeah. Uh, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of God is, Ephesians 5.17. So that's what we're trying. We're trying to understand what the will of God is. We're not trying to supplant human wisdom. Uh, and, and so it, that, that's probably just semantics. But I think I understand what the comment is. And the comment is suggesting, where does the where does the scripture tell us or uh, give us the, the the concept that we have to use our own reasoning capacities to figure out what God wants us to do? I think that's the question. And and I would first of all, just from a very common sense point of view, what would I do then if I'm not to use my 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 intellectual capacity in serving God, if I'm not to use my intellectual capacity to read the scriptures and understand them, then what am I supposed to do with the scriptures? Well, I would just ask the question to 1866. just so many words? 1866 implies that just even direct commands, you can't have, you can't demand that you have a direct command because that would require judgment of man. 1866, are you implying then that we should not read God's instructions? For instance, thou shalt not kill. Are we not to read that and determine I shouldn't kill? Is that wrong because it requires human interpretation or human uh, understanding? I have to to use my mind to take those words off the page and understand from that that it's not right for me to end your life, to take your life from you, to murder you. I'm having to use my thinking capacity to say that. Now that means something. Thou shalt not kill. And and uh, and so when, when I read that, uh, for instance, in Romans chapter thirteen, um, thou shalt not commit adultery. This is Romans thirteen nine. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet. So there's the words. Now I'm gonna I got to make application of that in my life. Thou shalt not steal. So I go to the Walmart store. And there's this little electronic item in the store that is is really neat. I really like it. I think I could fit it in my pocket and walk out without ever being discovered. But I've, I remember the inspired word of God says, thou shalt not steal. And I make an application of that to this specific instance where I'm tempted yeah. to steal that little electronic device at Walmart. That, that requires me to use my intellectual capacity to understand the statement. Yep. And to make application in my life. What, what else are we to do with that? We might as well, if we cannot use our intellectual capacity to comprehend God's will, then we may as well throw our Bibles away. Uh, Monty, thoughts? Well, well, Jesus said to judge righteous judgments. So in order to make a judgment about something, and especially a righteous one, I have to have studied the Word of God to understand what righteousness is and what right action righteousness has to do with right actions. So I have to study God's Word to know what righteousness is, and then I have to make a judgment. Does this activity measure up to being a righteous thing 
or an unrighteous thing. I have to use my intellectual capabilities that God has given me to make that judgment. And it's a command to do that. It's not that I want to have to make judgments, but God has commanded me to do that. So there I have, therefore, that means I have to study and use my brain to find out what righteousness is and then do it in my life. All right. Um, uh, but I think this person in the chat room is the same person. I'm, I'm sure, in fact, it's the same person that I had email correspondence with because he's making the same points in the chat room, and, and, and we're glad to deal with him. Thank you for yeah. your comments, and I appreciate uh, you signing in. Uh, but the, the, uh, to the idea that where's, where from the Scripture, back to the, uh, the challenge, uh, where, it, where in the Scriptures gives man authority to use human wisdom when interpreting God's Word? Well, in, in our email exchanged with this individual uh i said uh consider the temptation of jesus that would be that would be perfect information right do do what jesus did when jesus was tempted by satan in matthew 4 three times the devil tempted jesus each time jesus quoted scripture to prove that the devil was wrong but the passages that jesus quoted especially in the first two cases did not directly state that the act Satan wanted Jesus to do was sin. Uh, you know, the first was turn stones to bread. Yeah. Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. He took a statement from Scripture and applied it specifically to the temptation to turn stones to bread. The statement of Scripture didn't apply specifically to turning stones to bread. But Jesus took the statement and applied it to prove that Satan was wrong. Yeah. Uh, then he took him up to uh, the high pinnacle of the temple and tempted him to throw himself down, let the angels bear him up. Uh, and Jesus said, it is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Well, that's a general statement, a general principle. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Jesus understood to do what Satan was asking him to do. He used, he used, a, he made a conclusion. He drew a conclusion. The scripture says, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And Jesus drew a conclusion. That would apply to what Satan's asking me to do, cast myself down from the temple. So you see, he used his intellectual reasoning capacities to take a statement of scripture, apply it to the specific situation, and to know what to do. Uh, uh, so in, in, in the temptation of Jesus, I think we see the authority because imitating the the example of Jesus is authoritative. We should follow in his steps, Peter said in Second Peter 2. So uh, that is authoritative for us. Here's another example of where God expects us to use our, our, our minds that he gave us to understand his will. Now, it's not our wisdom. We're not to look at a situation and say, should I steal or should I not? I'll have to figure that out. No, God's told us what he wants us to do, but he expects us to use our wisdom to understand what he said. Here's one in First Chronicles chapter 17. And this is, this is not about a direct command. It's about an absence of a command. Now, in First Chronicles 17, verse 1, Now it came to pass when David was dwelling in his house that David said to Nathan the prophet, See now I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of the covenant of the Lord is under tent curtains. Then Nathan said to David, do all that is in your heart, for God is with you. Now, that was Nathan's wrong answer. But David had come up with this idea. You know, I got this nice house, and God's uh, 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 covenant, Ark of the Covenant, is in this tabernacle, this tent. This isn't right. I ought to build God a nice house. Now, that was David's reasoning. That was his human wisdom. But notice God expected David to have used his mind to understand what God's will was, because notice what God says. Wherever I have moved about with all Israel, have I ever spoken a word to any of the judges of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? God didn't want David building him a house of cedar. David thought it was a good idea. Now, there's a case David was using his human Human wisdom wisdom. to do something that God had never instructed. But God said you should have used your mind and you should have understood. When did I ever say that? I never said to do that. Yeah. So I didn't give you the command. You should have been able to hear what I had said and and applied it, and you didn't apply it. And so the listener in the chat room is saying, we, that, that you shouldn't have to apply God's word because then you'd be using your own human reasoning, and that's not true. In fact, that did come up in our email exchange, and I responded this way. The example of David is not parable, a parallel. We, uh, to, he, he says, we use necessary inference to just, let me read what he says. Uh, the classic example 
for necessary inference is to derive authority for a church building. He says, immediately King David comes to mind in 2 Samuel 7. This is a case where David used necessary inferences and was completely wrong. David told Nathan, look, I'm living in a palace made of cedar wood, but the ark of God is in a tent. David inferred that God would want something as great as David to to live in and would want David to build it. Uh, What's remarkable here is that Nathan also referred to it as a good thing to do. But what God said was, I never said to the to build a house that's because that wasn't necessary inference yeah yeah, here's here was how i respond that i said the example you offered of david is not parallel to our argument about a meeting place based on inference david had no commandment about a temple we do have a command to assemble therefore we infer from the command that there must be an assembly place david had no basis for his inference other than his personal emotions that his own house was better than god's and therefore a new temple was uh, was deserved God's response through Nathan proves that David was wrong. And so, uh, uh, again, the example of David would be a, a, a one, a negative one. He was trying to supplant of his human own, reasoning. own human reasoning. But he did have to use his intellect to determine that God didn't want using that intellect. He didn't. Uh, All right, Monty. And, yeah. Well, it's not really a parallel example of necessary inference because God had already given a command of where he wanted the people to meet. He wanted them to meet at the Ark of the Covenant. Wherever he told them to put the Ark of the Covenant, it was where they were supposed to go to worship. They had a command in that regard. And so David saying we need to build a temple wasn't a necessary inference. It was actually a violation of a command God had given. Yeah. All right, let's. Get, we're way behind in the chat room. Let's get to the chat room quickly. Jeremiah thirteen ten, uh, I guess sixty five thirty one says this people, uh, this evil people which refuse to hear my words, which walk in the imagination of their heart, these wicked people who refuse uh, to listen to my words, who follow the stubbornness of their hearts, their stubborn, the stubbornness of their hearts seems to be speaking of misguided interpretation. Um, and uh, eighteen, uh, let's see. Um, James in the chat room says there's nothing wrong with uh, command example necessary inference as long as you're not claiming it's the whole process. It works in limited situations. And we'll we'll get some more comments of James here as we go along. Um, He said God communicates at the human level. He has to because he has a human audience. Um, And then... um, 1866 says, greet one another with a holy kiss is a direct command. Some man at some time decided this was not, uh, my screen just threw over, let's see, was not uh, required, I think. Uh, not, not decided this is not to be bound. Okay. He said, okay, now I, I, that was in our email exchange also, so I want to read what I responded to him because he made this point. Greet one another with a holy kiss is a direct command, but some man at some time decided this was not to be bound or observed. Here's how I responded. The holy kiss was not the only means of greeting in the first century. We read of salutations given by spoken or written word, by a wave or gesture of the hand, as in Acts 21.40, and by a clasping of the hands. In Galatians 2.9, Paul mentions that James, Peter, and John, quote, gave to me and Barnabas the right, end quote. Therefore, we must logically conclude that Paul was not commanding an exclusive form of greeting. Rather, he was regulating one form of greeting that was common in that day and still is in some cultures, if you kiss as a greeting, make sure it's a holy kiss and not a lascivious one. Okay. And so, again, uh, actually, I would say greet one another with a holy kiss is still bound on us. Not that you have to do that because we know that they greeted in other fashions. And so that wasn't an exclusive form of greeting. Again, take the whole Bible, make it all fit, don't make any of it contradict one. But the command of a holy kiss is still bound upon us. If you greet with a kiss, make it a holy kiss, not a lascivious kiss, Monty. You know, some people here at College View, when we greet each other, will hug each other. But we have to make sure that that hug is an appropriate hug, not a lascivious or lust-invoking hug. And so that would be the same thing as the holy kiss. Yep. Whatever greeting we're using that's in our, appropriate in our culture or society, we need to make sure that we execute that in a way that's appropriate and godly. I got a, I've got a question, though. I, I, I'm having a little bit of trouble understanding 1866. Is 1866 saying that he believes we should greet with a holy kiss or we shouldn't greet with a holy kiss. I think we probably agree on that. So is the point that we don't have to understand, we don't have to follow any of God's commands or we have to follow the commands that are given to us? Are we arguing, what are we arguing for here? Are we saying you, you don't have to, you don't have to 
You don't I, have to follow any commands? Is that what 1866 is saying? Or is 1866... Uh, I think what he's saying is that we are being selective. Well, we I adhere think to some commands and not to others. Either 1866 is in the same boat as we are, or 1866 is greeting with a holy kiss. What? What? Where does he have... I don't understand... Well, I think his, his point is... We just are willy-nilly when we go through the scripture saying, well, we'll do this, we're not going to do this, we like this, we don't like that, we're going to, we, and, and, but, but I, I don't think that that's a, I, I, I don't think that's a fair criticism. Now, I'm not saying we're perfect in understanding and applying the scriptures, but in regards to things like the Holy Kiss, we can explain that. Our, please accept our explanation. Yes, that statement, greet one another, the Holy Kiss, is still to be observed if kissing is the form of greeting that you're using. Do we but believe? But we're able to demonstrate clearly from the scriptures that that's not the only form of greeting that took place in the first century, and it's not the only form of greeting that we can use today. So we have a we have an explanation as to why we don't greet with a holy kiss today. Exactly. 1866 would need to provide his explanation as to why he doesn't greet with a holy kiss, and hopefully it's something just well. I don't follow the commands that God has given in the scriptures. No, we're not saying that, but I think that's what he's accusing us of, but I don't think it's a fair accusation. But what's, what's his explanation? Yeah. We right. have an explanation. What's his? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, and, okay, there's more in the chat room. Let's go. We, we're going to may have to carry this one over again uh, next week. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, 90, uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. 9046 says, not all commands. Noah was commanded to build an ark, but that doesn't apply to us. I think 1866 point is we have to reason through. The direct command to How understand is not directed to us. Now, here's here's a good point from 9046. Noah was commanded to build an ark. How am I not supposed to build an ark? How do I know that? And so I got to use my I got to use my reasoning capacities. I got to use my logic. Which apparently 1866 is using on the holy kiss. I would think. Yeah. So, so well, I don't know why there's any stones to be thrown here because we seem to be coming at this from the same angle on the holy kiss. Um, 1866 says, so what I just heard you say is this interpretation method comes from man because it requires his judgment. Well, it's what God has set forth in his word. We just looked at the uh, example of uh, David in 1 Samuel 17, where uh, he was told to use his reasoning, that God hadn't said anything. He should have been able to understand what God had said and what he hadn't said to do. Uh, we're saying we should do the same thing. Jeff says a holy kiss is simply a form of greeting in Middle Eastern culture. It is literally a kiss on the cheek. In Western culture, it's simply a handshake. 1866, on the holy kiss, I'm not saying one way or the other it should be bound. I'm just saying a man decided it's not to be bound. Well, again, John, if it is John or 1866, did you do you agree with that interpretation? If so, you're agreeing that we have to apply human reasoning. If not... You should be using the holy kiss still. Exclusively. Exclusively. So it appears that John's arguing against himself to some extent here. Hey, not- I just thought of a verse from Isaiah 1, verse 18. Isaiah 1, 18. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Oh, that's a good point. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. God says, Come now and let us reason together. You, that's what we're talking about. We're using our reasoning capacities. We're using our logical minds, our 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 powers of intellect. Uh, now we got to we got to do that uh, in an acceptable way, and that's that's why we've that's why we've set forth this command, example, inference, pattern. That's just our labels. That's just our labels. But what we're saying. These things, you would have to go through these sort of processes to come to right conclusions. Obviously, there are wrong conclusions that can be drawn. The religious world is full of people who have come to wrong conclusions, and they all contradict each other. There is the truth, and we can know the truth, and the truth will set us free. John eight thirty two. We got a reason. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Dominic in the chat room, and we're about out of time, so we won't maybe cover all this. For consistent reasoning, Dominic says, experience should be used to justify a building, not necessary inference. All we necessarily infer is a place to assemble, not to buy and sell real estate. Well, we could infer that as well, Dominic. Um, and we, we've got other pa- uh, programs on that you, if you look in our archives. 1866, David's example is a man after God's own heart that got it wrong. I'm just saying man's wisdom is frequently fa- fallible. Well, David did get it wrong, but he got it wrong on other things as well. 
but men, men are fallible. Yeah, and people do come to wrong conclusions. We're not denying that. And that's why we need to study yeah. and rightly divide the scriptures. Yep. That's why it is. Uh, it, we have to be so careful that we because we can be wrong. Uh, James says David wasn't using necessary inference either. He was using expedience. Um, Actually, he was just using his own think-sos. It wasn't even expedient because God had never instructed or commanded or given any authority for David to build a temple. 1866 says, I'm just expressing concerns about relying on man's wisdom. Uh, he said, oh, he says, I'm not concerned about a holy kiss. Am I that bad at communicating? No, John. Uh, maybe we just, uh, where there are some limits here to uh, the chat room and how we can communicate. Um, he says he's expressing concerns about relying on man's wisdom. Well, on man's wisdom, yes. On man's intellect and, and uh, interpretation. Uh, man, uh, I think that's a good, maybe a good way to end up our discussion. We're out of time, but it, it's it's a question about supplanting our wisdom to God's wisdom. We want to be where God is. We want we want to know and apply God's wisdom, and so it's it's not a question about uh, relying on our own wisdom. We're we're not going to rely on our wisdom. We're going to rely on God's wisdom, and really. We're not talking about man. We're talking man's intellect, his logical powers of deduction. We're not saying supplant man's wisdom for God's wisdom. We're saying use our minds to understand the word of God and what it means. You you can know the truth. Be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the God will is. of the Lord. Yeah, we can understand what He wants us to do. Yeah. Now, and that's. We have to under, we have to be able to read and interpret what that will is, yeah. and with John's and that's why with, we use and that's what our last question was about. That's why we use we're, these are just our labels. We acknowledge they're just our labels. Call them anything you want, but look for commands, look for approved examples, look for inescapable conclusions or necessary inferences because those are the mental processes that we use to understand what the will of the Lord if is. If I follow the, the the comments here, I could never understand what God's will would be. If God said eat a cupcake, I'd now is it my wisdom that he wants am I is am I relying on my reasoning here that We'll go back to to uh, Romans 13 uh, verses 8, 9, 10 where we read thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery. If I can't use my mind then those are just words that don't mean anything. I have to use my mind. I, I read the words off the page, and they they have to be processed in my mind before I can know what to do. That's what we're talking about. Command, example, and necessary inference is just using the approved process that we see in Acts chapter 15 to understand what God wants us to do. That, that's all it boils down to. God's given us instructions, and this is the process that they use, the apostles use in Acts chapter 15 to understand what God's instructions was in this in this situation. So we can use that same pattern, the same process, process that they did because it was an approved process, and that's all it boils down to. They're, they're saying... We, you can understand what the command is, you can understand what the example is, and you've got a brain, you can come to a logical, inescapable conclusion in relation to those commands and examples. I think, I think that Acts 15 text that you brought up, Monty, is a really good one because it illustrates that in that first century time frame, those inspired men used that sort of process. All right, so we have not completely addressed all of the concerns in the chat room. Dominic, James, 1866... Uh, 5678. Lots of, uh, I think, open uh, items here to address. We'd like to continue the discussion next week. If you would, do us a favor. Send us an email with just the comments that you think we didn't con- address sufficiently in the chat room. Other things uh, that you'd like us to consider. Uh, we won't. Uh, so, so we're going to. So you're saying that next week we're going to spend more time on the command example inference subject. Yeah, but we I I I think we've got some questions here that we they that are that we haven't addressed sufficiently in the chat room. So send those in so that that we have a record of them and doesn't have to be a long email, make it a short one or if you make it a long one if you want so that we have those uh, that you'd like to begin the, so we can be, we begin the discussion there next week and hopefully uh, everyone can be back and we can have another uh, good discussion on these important matters. These are important. I mean, this is talk, we're talking about understanding God's will for us. Imani, God expects us to understand His will, 
we're going to be held accountable for that and for the understanding of it. So it's important that we understand how we're supposed to determine that and decipher God's will for us. It's all important because it's determining our being eternity. All right. Okay, so let us uh, know your uh, your comments and uh, things that if we should cover next if week. If there's something that you had in the chat room and we didn't get to cover it, we didn't address the point you were making, please send us an email, sort of formalize your argument, uh, and we'll try to incorporate that. We'll go, and we'll spend more time on the command example inference concept next week. All right, we'll look forward to that discussion. And uh, appreciate everyone for participating, and hope that uh, everyone took our tone. Uh, we did, we're not—we don't want this to be combative. We don't want this, this to be ugly. Uh, we do want to contend for our convictions, and we hope that you want to do the same. And we're glad that you joined us on the program tonight, Dad. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Jay. thanks, Monty, for getting thank us you, on Josh. the air, and uh, thank you for being here. We hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word tonight. We hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-38567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.